0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Colorado Rockies 6, the Cleveland Guardians nothing? Oh boy, I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And what a what a difference a day makes in the worst possible direction. All the good vibes from Sunday just whoosh, washed away washed away with one bad Cal Quantrill start. And uh, we got an email. We got two emails, actually. Uh, Our first email is from Greg, and he was talking about those good vibes from Sunday. He said, I know I'm a bit late on this one, but I just finished up today's podcast about the game and had to share some thoughts. I went to this game, and it was absolutely amazing to see Logan Allen pitch so well, and the offense really came alive. It was a small crowd. Obviously not a great weather day for baseball, but I could tell everyone was hyped up on the positives in this game. Actually, Greg, I think my in-laws were down there with you. I haven't gotten a chance to talk to them yet and find out what their experience was like. Greg continued, I believe Allen is going to bring some much-needed spark and energy to this rotation yesterday because he pitched so well. I think it helped the offense feel a bit more relaxed and not feel so pressured at the plate. It's obviously early, and it's been cold, but games like this really get us excited because we know the potential for great baseball is there. It's easy to get down on losing to some pretty bad teams, but let's keep our heads up and beat the Rockies. Have a nice week. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate the email, and I appreciate you checking in, letting us know what the vibe was like in the stadium uh, for Allen's debut. And frankly, you're just keying up my – you're teeing up my – top storyline in this game and it it is the vibes created by a bad pitching performance it looked like it looked like in that first inning it looked like both pitchers were gonna get hit around pretty good there there was some pretty solid contact going around I mean Quan kicks things off with a a double don't forget for us 99.6 uh shoots one uh into the left center field gap and legs out a double now they also had two hard hit balls uh in their first inning. Uh you have the home run from Jerks and Profar, 102.3. Chris Bryant's single was at 105.2 uh before eventual pop-out and ground out. So it doesn't turn into much, but both pitchers getting hit pretty hard, and it it felt like that might continue. Unfortunately, it only continued for one team. And only continued for the Rockies. Right? We we didn't we lost it. We we didn't hit a guy that came into this thing 0 and four with I think an over 14 ERA. Austin Gomer Gomber was 0 for four with an over 14 ERA. And we made him look great. We made him look fantastic out there. I just... But then Quantrill gets blown up and It does. It does feel like him getting rocked. You know, it takes to the fourth inning before they finally, uh, you know, break this thing open with a four-run fourth. But uh, Mustakis did lead off the second with a single. Uh, I'll line out. I think that was the third base, a 94.5-mile-per-hour rope to third base off the bat of Trejo. Uh, And then he gets the, the eight and nine hitters to end that threat. Uh, he does strike out uh, two in the to start the um, third, but he can't get Chris Bryant again. Gets out of the inning, but Bryant hits a 97-point mile-per-hour single off him. So they continue to have guys on base, and then in the fourth inning, they blow that thing wide open, and he just can't he can't get them out. He just can't. Diaz, Moustakas both get singles. Trejo would line out. Doyle, the rookie, would get on base for the first time in his major league career, I think he was making his debut, Brenton Doyle, uh, with a walk. Uh, Tovar, the nine hitter then, with the bases loaded with the big single that brings in two runs. Blackman walks to load the bases again and then Profar singles again. So you get the big four run inning there and they have to go to the bullpen. And yeah, it sapped. What little energy there was on a Monday night when 9,000 people are down there on a cold night i mean it was only it was in the 40s but i walked out of my office pretty late uh and it was cold downtown it was it was it was pretty chilly and uh yeah that just it sapped all the energy out quantrell struggling got god uh it made a huge difference right logan allen what he did on sunday the it's amazing what good pitching and good defense, the vibes it kind of creates. And it just wasn't there tonight. Uh, so that was, that's my top storyline. Just, just the atmosphere around this team. The other thing, the other thing, Quan is going, but nobody else in the lineup is going. Three hits, three for four with a double for Stephen Quan from his leadoff spot. And nobody else the only other hit comes from Miles Straw on the entire day, a single from him. Nobody else can get it going. And remember, Bell talked about Ahmed Rosario getting going and getting on base and how important and how disruptive that could be. And Rosario has a terrible day. Uh, hits into a double play, a bunch of ground outs. Um, yeah, Rosario could not get it going, and the offense couldn't get it going behind him. So, uh, yeah, just bad vibes all around in this one. Uh, it's a it's a weird game to sit down and podcast and talk about and get into detail about because a lot of bad vibes going around that Progressive Field Stadium for some reason today. Hopefully, it's just isolated to today. It's looking like tomorrow. Tomorrow, the weather's iffy. It could be a rain out tomorrow. You could be looking at another doubleheader on uh, Wednesday, which actually helps the Guardians out. Uh... We got another email from Tony asking about Wednesday, which we'll get to uh, at the end of the episode, Tony. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe maybe another rainout is what this team needs. Maybe they do need another day off uh, just to shake the cobwebs off from this one. The the kind of what happened uh, cobwebs from this one. All right. So let's get into some actual details here because all we've talked about so far is vibes Uh, and Quan getting a couple base hits. Let's get into the actual details here. So what was Cal Quantrill doing wrong in this one? Uh, he just, he throws that sinker cutter combo. How much was it of this game? Uh, this time, 59% of the time, 59, almost 60% of the time. He's throwing that two seam sinker. Just kept going back to that pitch. Uh, 26% of the time. It's the cutter. So that's 85% of the time, 85% of the time it's sinker or cutter, man, that's, I don't understand, I don't understand, you know, we talked about maybe Quantrill was the cerebral one, I just, I don't understand what the philosophy is here, he, they said early on that he was working on a splitter. Uh, it probably is marked here as a changeup. It's the one that Profar hit. Let's go to that matchup here. It's the one that Profar hits for a home run, the second batter in the game. So yeah, they do have it in StatCast listed as a changeup, but just like Logan Allen's split change they had listed as a splitter, they showed a close up of his hand releasing the ball. Rick Manning was talking about how he had been trying to develop a splitter, Quantrill that is. And it definitely looked like a splitter grip. You could definitely tell those those two fingers were spread pretty wide apart. Now you know this isn't your circle change or other grip like that. Definitely, you see that split grip on the ball. So he tried to throw him a split change here, and just left it up a little bit too much. And Profar gets under it. Uh, it helps that he it helps Profar that Quantrill had trying to been staying away from the lefty the whole time, throwing everything to his arm side of the plate for the right-handed pitcher, Uh, a sinker uh, that he had followed off up at the top of the zone, a curveball that he followed off that was in the zone, another sinker away that he lays off, and then he slows it down, maybe speeds up Profar's bat just a little bit here, but catches way too much of the plate of this thing. Especially on a 1-2 count, I guarantee the catcher wanted this thing down on the black, down at the knees, out of the zone, and it just stays up at those thighs and lets Profar go down and jump on it. 102.3, 347, that's it, out to uh, right field, but it's enough to clear the fence for a home run. So Profar gets just enough of it, and uh, Quantrill pays with an early run given up. So yeah, just obsessed with, with those two pitches, and, uh, I mean, it cost him 22 swings on that sinker, only two whiffs. He only has six whiffs total on that day. They at least whiffed on the cutter four times on 10 swings. Um, so, yeah, it's a 21% total CSW on the day for Quantrill. He does get some weak contact out of them. I mean, the average exit velocity off that sinker was 82.9. But, man, once he started to leave that thing up, they were just hammering it. They were just roping it all over the place. So uh, going over to the illustrator here, taking a look at the um, at the results tab, it's all singles uh, and then that one home run from Profar. But there's a bunch of singles in that fourth inning, uh, in that second inning. Uh, in the second inning, the single was from the top of the zone. I remember that one. It was just kind of up, and Mustakas did the perfect thing, just lined it out in the left field. Two singles, the one from Tovar and the one from Profar. So both the RBI singles come from sinkers, top of the zone, middle of the plate. Three pitches there that you know that cost them hits. Two of them cost them multiple runs. Just leaving that fastball up out over the plate uh, where these guys can hit it. And it's not up high enough to blow it past them. It's up where they can stay upright. And they did a good job in not trying to lift these things, of taking these high pitches and hitting line drives off of them. That's that's a really good approach uh, when you're getting high fastballs like that. So uh, they do a good job there. There's a couple of other hits, um, other singles from the middle of the plate, two sinkers in the middle of the plate to uh, Chris Bryant's single on the first, Diaz's single in the fourth are pretty much middle, middle quadrant. Uh, the cutter that Chris Bryant hits in the third is middle down, but still a lot of the plate. And uh, go in the fourth inning, he did go off the plate uh, for a single down and away. Uh, and a, a two-seam sinker on a 3-1 count on the arms, arm edge, the outside edge for Moustakis. So that's where he's given up all his hits. And it's just way too much of the middle of the plate. That was it. That That's what was wrong With Cal Quantrill on this one. It was all location on this one. If he actually is pounding this stuff inside to some of these right-handed hitters, he has a lot more success. All all the outs made off of this sinker are all from pitches uh, into the arm side of the plate. I'm guessing jamming the right... In fact, let's look. Let's look right-handed batters versus left-handed batters. Yep, there they are. The right-handed batters are the ones making the outs. With all these sinkers jamming them inside. So that's the success. When it starts to creep back out over the plate, that's where he's getting hit. So, uh, and, and the lefties were all over him. Uh, he did strike out Charlie Blackman. He blew a cutter past him at the top of the zone. Uh, the the only fielded out was uh, Blackman in the first inning. Uh, it was on a changeup down and away. Uh, so he this works. This is perfect here. In the first inning, he gets Blackman, the leadoff hitter, out with that changeup, down and away but then for Profar the second batter he gets way too much of the plate I mean it's it's over a couple baseballs towards the middle of the plate and it goes for a home run and that's the difference in this game that's the difference two left-handed hitters in a row to start the game one you get that changeup on a 1-1 count you get that change up on the outside edge and he beats it into the ground. -59 degree launch angle. Next batter, you catch way too much of the plate. Boom, 21 degree launch angle and now you're down one nothing. It's a rough game. It's a it is a tough game when that that little bit of a difference. And both these bitches are at the same height. They're kind of at the thighs, a little bit below the belt. They're at the same height. One's on the black, one's on the plate. That's that's the difference between good pitching and bad pitching. So uh, Quantrill gets uh, Quantrill gets blown up in this one. It, it's a rough start to the season here. He has got to find something that works for him besides the Guardians giving him an incredible amount of run support. That's that probably saved him a lot last year, and maybe blinded us a little to the fact of what you know how strong of a pitcher he actually is. You know. I'm gonna get super negative here for a second. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stay positive. But I'm about to get super negative on you. Imagine how how a world and how how strange this would be, where every player in both the Bauer and Clevenger trades, right? Both big trades with the uh, San Diego Padres. Where none of those guys turn in anything. Where. N- I mean, there's already been guys that have come and gone. The The first Logan Allen has already come and gone, right? What if Quantrill isn't the guy? What if Naylor doesn't really, the power's there, but, you know, doesn't really hit for a high average or, a high, you know, keep the OPS up? Uh, what if What if that slump continues? Now that's super negative. For me, has is already come and gone. Right, this uh, Owen Miller has already come and gone. Gabriel Arias looked like there was something there in spring training. Has struggled a lot. Has struck out a ton, but he's also not playing a ton. So he's in a tough situation right now. I'm just saying that there's a world out there. There's a world out there where they move on from Arias because of some of the other prospects they have coming. There, there's a world where they move on from Quantrill and they move on from Naylor. I don't want it to happen. But it's just we, we got this such a haul of prospects for in both of those trades with San Diego. And we thought there's no way that some you know some of these guys will miss, but some of these guys are going to hit and be, you know, cornerstones of our franchise. What if what if maybe none of them are? I told you I was going to get dark. I Maybe it's because I'm recording this late at night and just having weird thoughts on this game. I told you, weird vibes from this game, but I hope not. I hope Quantrill figures out how to execute you know, that sinker and hit his edges, and I hope he does figure out that split change and how to, how to let the bottom of that pitch fall out and strike out a bunch of guys. Uh, he's not a big strikeout pitcher up until this point in his career. Maybe a split change allows him to finish guys off. Just, you got to get it lower than you threw it to jerks and Profart. That's all. And you, you can't be afraid of it. You can't throw it. Oh, you can't throw it, what, six, eight times? What was it in this game? Six times. You can't throw it six times and really develop it. You've got to give it a chance, especially when they're just pounding your sinker. They're absolutely hammering that pitch. So why are you keep going to it? So, yeah, Quantrill's got to make some changes here. He's got to to make this thing work. You've got to adjust in this game. So, all right, slipping out of that negative zone. Uh, I, I don't know. I We could keep talking about this game, but it's all rough stuff. I mean, Austin Gomber uh, was terrible coming into this season or, or into this start. He was terrible coming into this season. Uh yeah, starting for the Cardinals, then moving to Colorado, he's never really made it work as a starter. Uh, he was five and seven last year with a five fifty six ERA. He's now one and four. We give him his first win with a nine twenty eight ERA with a one point nine two WHIP. That's after giving up only three hits and three runs in five innings, or three hits and three walks in five innings to the Guardians. He actually probably lowered his WHIP in this one. In in the percentile rankings, he is the bottom of the league. Third percentile for expected ERA. Oh, God. They're getting nuts on me. Expected ERA divided by expected weighted on base. Sure. Third percentile. Expected batting average. Fourth percentile. Expected slugging. Third percentile. That means he gets hammered. K percentage, ninth. Chase rate, 11. I mean, it's all blue numbers here. For Austin Gomber, and we we made him look pretty good. I'm sure the Colorado fans were like, hey, this is what we've been waiting for with Gomber. They are batting 407 off his four-seam fastball. They're slugging 778 off his four seam fastball. And we couldn't slug anything off of it. Anything. What was his CSW on a fastball? 14 called strikes. One whiff on 12 swings. We only put six in play. We had an average exit velocity of 97.4. So we did hit the fastball when we swung at it. But 14 called strikes. It's good for a 33% CSW on that pitch. I'd call that effective on the day for him. So yeah. uh, All right. I'm jumping off this game. MVP on the day. Quan goes three for four. I thought his launch angle was good. He was hitting some low liners. He was hitting some, you know, hard ground balls through the infield. Uh, I thought that was really encouraging, and it's something we, you know, we talked about with quan with the pop ups and getting the ball in the air. Uh, jumping over to his radial graph, uh, taking a look here, uh, where all these balls are. Man, I love this. The highest launch angle here is a 25 degree launch angle, and that was the out he made. I think a fly out. But uh, the single in the fifth inning only has a 17-degree launch angle. The double that he hit had a 13-degree launch angle in that uh, first inning. And then he had another single in the third on a one-degree launch angle. So like I said, uh, kind of a low liner that he, uh, maybe even a one-hopper, that he puts through the infield for a hit. So I like Quan keeping those launch angles down and hitting some line drives. That's good stuff from Stephen Quan. So MVP on the day. Goes to Stephen Kwan on this one. The only one seeming to make an effort out there for the Guardians on this one. Um, okay, so moving on, our second email question uh, was from Tony. And he said, all right, very simple email. All right, who is starting on Wednesday? Luckily, Mandy Bell did the legwork for us on this one and has a nice article on cleveland.com to just... Let us know kind of who's available. That's always the question when you ask me something like this. All right, okay, I got to go. Do I have to go through the box scores in Columbus to see who's lined up for the next start? So, you know, one of the names that she throws out here is uh, Pilkington, but he'd be starting on short rest. Uh, he pitched on Saturday for Columbus, and he only threw 51 pitches. But Pilkington's on the 40-man roster, which does save them from having to make a move, uh, you know, having to release someone off the roster. With Curry pitching in relief, he's not available. He was the plan for Wednesday. With the off day on Thursday, maybe do it as, it, like a like you know, how deep can this guy go bullpen day. There is still the possibility of just a straight-up bullpen day. Letting, like, a Logan Allen have that first, you know, inning or two, seeing how far he can go. We got a whole nother game to get through to see what, Who's available out of the bullpen If they did go with a bullpen game on Wednesday Um, And then You know Gavin Williams from Double A Mandy Bell doesn't think he would make the jump from Double A Yeah I kind of think there's too many people At Triple A Still that need a look Before Gavin Williams Gets that although Williams could very quickly Make that jump to Triple A because he is Dominating at Double A Tanner is it Bibby or Bybee? I, I want him to get here just so we can find out how to officially pronounce his name. Uh but he's I'm just going to keep saying Bibby for now. He seems uh like the one everybody wants. Everybody wants to see this guy. He's off to a red hot start at AAA. He lights up the radar gun. Uh as as controlled as Logan Allen was on uh on Sunday, uh Bibby is the one that's exciting. He's got the really live exciting arm. And I know everybody wants to see him. I kind of think, I mean, it does feel like, it does feel like, why not? If this guy is that electric and he's clearly shown that AAA pitching or AAA hitting is not going to be able to touch him this year. Sure, sure. A Wednesday start. Now, the other thing is, if tomorrow gets rained out. If tomorrow gets rained out, it actually makes life a little easier because for the doubleheader than on Wednesday they don't have to, they get to bring an extra player up, right, for the doubleheader. They get to add a 27th man to the roster, so they don't have to option someone or, you know, release someone to make that work. The one that would be the most obvious for me as far as an option goes, if they do play Tuesday and Wednesday and need to option someone to make room on the roster, probably would be the, uh, the young lefty Heron. You know you're going to bring Sam Henches up maybe as early as Friday. And you know, Heron probably is going down to make that swap, that lefty swap. So Heron can get more experience down at AAA. Looks like he needs it a little bit. Um, that would make a lot of sense, right? So you could bring a starter up, send Heron out. And then when that starter is done, send them back to AAA and bring Sam Henches up into that roster spot. So it could just be for a spot start, but it would be exciting to see Bibby pitch it- Frankly, be a lot more exciting than to see Pilkington pitch, or I don't even know if what Hunter Gaddis's rest situation is. It, calling him back up, I mean, they could do that. They could call him back up and see if he can give him three innings, go through the order once, and then go into the bullpen, depending on how rested the bullpen is after Tuesday's game. That that's an option too. So, what what do I think of all those? I have no clue. I I don't know what they're thinking. But those are a lot of options and a lot of scenarios that I see playing out. I have doubts whether they would let us have Bibby for one game. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. All right. But thank you for the email, Tony. Thank you for getting us to think through the scenarios uh, this morning. Uh, before I get out of here, I just want to touch on some MLB news. You know, something I always talk about. Uh, you know, and advertise that we talk about on this show. We don't tend to get into it too much because. Over the years, we've gotten really good at talking in detail about the actual game, but there's some huge news out there. Uh the Oakland A's are kind of officially moving in Las Vegas. And look, as as you know, a city that has once lost a professional franchise team, it's brutal. It is and when the Browns left Cleveland, and I know it's a different situation than the A's in Oakland, but when the Browns left Cleveland, it was good gut-wrenchingly brutal. And it's something that Clevelanders live in fear of constantly now. We never thought they'd take a team away from us. And then the team that was the most beloved in the city to be the one that goes? So that's why Guardians fans have been, or Cleveland fans, Indians fans beforehand, have been freaking out for years that if we don't get the attendance up in Cleveland, our baseball team could leave. It's been legitimately discussed on many many sports talk shows uh throughout the years and so to see the Oakland A's make that move it sucks for the city of Oakland but it's a different situation they don't have a gem of a ballpark like we have uh the fan base here you saw it in the playoffs right you saw it every when this team gets hot the city heats up with them and the fan base is there uh, the TV contract is a mess, but the fan base is there, even if they don't show up to a Monday night in April. Can you blame them? So, uh, Oakland, it's a different situation. Whatever was going on with the legalities, with the stadium, with the city, those negotiations was ugly, ugly stuff, and it's been like that for years. The stadium is an embarrassment to baseball. Um. Yeah, and the fan base out there—I'm sure there are strong fans out there, but man, it was—it just weren't—it wasn't working out there anymore. It just is not working anymore. And so, yeah, sometimes you do got to walk away. The weird thing about this is the Raiders owner uh, was freaking out. Could you imagine? You move your franchise away from Oakland. And you think, finally, I am done with the A's organization. I don't have to be looped in with them anymore on any kind of civic engagement, any kind of discussions with, you know, business decisions with the mayor and stuff like that. And then they follow you to Las Vegas and you're stuck with them again. Think of it right now. There's probably someone at work who you don't hate, but they drive you crazy, right? They just, maybe it's their sense of humor Maybe it's their work ethic. There's something about them where you're like, I just can't. I can't with this person anymore. So you leave and you get a new job and you think, I'll miss the old job. But hey, at least I don't have to deal with that person anymore. And then a year later, who pops up? Who's the new hire? The old person that used to drive you up the wall. Could you imagine how just you'd be boiling? you'd be absolutely boiling. And that's how the Raiders feel right now with the Oakland A's, uh, with the A's franchise following them to Las Vegas. So it'll be different. Cause I don't believe the plan is definitely not for them to share a stadium. So it'll be different, uh, business wise, but, uh, bizarre, absolutely bizarre. What goes on in California with teams moving around? I mean, it's, I can't believe how many teams in California have moved around in my lifetime. So, uh, yeah, so that's huge news out there. I think it's going to be a positive for baseball. Will it change the way the A's operate? Probably not. I mean, maybe, probably not. Probably not, but at least uh, I don't know, at least it's some excitement out there in the West. Um, and excitement for a city, Las Vegas, which has been growing in leaps and bounds. And now, now has three major sports teams in that city. Uh, and so it's Pretty crazy how much uh, has, gr- has built up out there in the West. And they're talking about Utah, uh, Salt Lake City being a destination for a baseball expansion team. So the Southwest really, really growing uh, in their professional sports rep- representation. The other bit of news I want to talk about is the 33-year-old rookie, Uh, Finally, could finally make his Major League debut. Drew McGee for the Pirates. I've been keeping my eye on this for the last two days. He didn't get in the game Sunday, although I believe he was on the bench. Uh, They had an off day for Monday. So Tuesday morning. So we'll find out later today if McGee uh, gets in that starting lineup and gets in the game for a red-hot Pirates team right now. He had gotten called up a few, I think it was like five or six years ago, from Minnesota for like a weekend series. Never got in the game, so he 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 has been to the show. He has put on the uniform, but he's never stepped on that field. He's never had an at bat, and it's just at thirty three years old. I know nothing about this guy. I did see the video where they told him that he made the team, that he was getting the call up from Double A, and just the emotion on his face. Uh, I believe it's. um A bereavement list thing uh or a paternity list thing. One of those two things where someone's gonna be away from the team basically for like three or five days. Uh so he's 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 got a chance here. He's got two more games while that person is at least away from the team for two more days. Uh so he's got a chance to finally get that first major league at bat. I know nothing about this guy, but I'm totally pulling for him. I'm totally rooting for him. I'm going to be glued to my phone to see when that prop, that uh, Pirates roster gets announced. Uh, something about a guy just grinding for 13 years in the minor leagues and getting that one shot, that one shot at the major leagues, that one at-bat, right? I don't even know what position this guy plays. And he's replacing their center fielder, so I'm guessing outfield? I That's a little I know about him, but I'm still rooting for him. Enough to bring him up on the show to you and talk about it. Uh, So keep your eyes while you're watching the Guardians. If the Guardians get rained out on Tuesday, if the Guardians get rained out, who knows? I don't know if Pittsburgh's at home or away. They'd probably get rained out. Uh, But keep your eye on what's going on in Pittsburgh and see if Drew McGee gets that major league at bat. Uh, So that'll be exciting, right? Uh, Can you imagine if something happens where it's like, It goes as like a sack fly or something like that where it doesn't actually get credited as a major league at bat. That would be wild. That would be absolutely wild. So uh, that's some fun news going on around baseball right now. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, If the Guardians do play uh, today, it's going to be Battenfield going up against Feltner. For the uh, Rockies, he's 1-2 with a 6.16 ERA. So again, not a great start to the season for Feltner. Uh, Battenfield has been great so far uh, for the Guardians. And uh, we'll see that they finally get to face a righty. So, oh my god, I'm sure the lefties in the lineup are like, thank god, we needed it. We need some righties around here. So uh, we will see if this game goes down. And if it does, we will be back tomorrow to discuss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on what's going on with Cal Quantrill. Are you excited to see Badenfield back out there? Do you think he's a long-term piece in this rotation? Let me know your thoughts. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you want to leave a voicemail, the link is in the show notes. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning.